The Nuts and Bolts of Writing, Season Two, a podcast where we talk about literature, the ins and outs of writing, and how to actually start writing. Hi, everyone. Today, I am interviewing author and podcaster. Kyler Bingham, who hosts the podcast Salt Lake Dirt, where he interviews many different creatives, including authors, movie directors, and actors. Me and Tete DePunk, a co-host of this podcast, have been interviewed on his podcast, specifically on episode ninety-seven, where we talked about how we met, our creative works, Tete's Christian fundamentalist homeschooling experiences, and more. If you want to check out the episode, I've provided a link in the description. So, onto the focus of our podcast. Kyler Bingham is an educator, writer, and the host of Salt Lake Dirt, a podcast where he interviews writers, filmmakers, and musicians. He lives in Salt Lake City with his three dogs, Rooney, Cosmo, and Mabel. You can follow Kyler's podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Salt Lake Dirt. And on his website at www.saltlakedirt.com. I provided links in the description. So, Kyler, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is very cool to be on the other side of the microphone. So, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So, let's dive into the first question. When I was on your podcast with Tete, you mentioned that you were writing a book. What kind of book are you writing? What genre is it? Well, I think it. So, th- this book has been going on longer than I would have liked—about five years, I would say. Uh, so it's kind of shifted in in genre over the time. I would say now it's heavily influenced by noir mystery books, um, more from like the nineteen forties and fifties. So it, it, I would say, you know, as far as a modern genre goes, just the, a mystery thriller would probably be where it was categorized. Oh, I see. So how has the genre shifted over time? What was it originally? I think, well, originally it just would be considered literary, literary fiction. And I, I felt for me, it, was running into the problem of uh, there wasn't enough action or not necessarily action, but the the plot wasn't moving. It was just a lot of internal dialogue that I was even getting bored myself writing it. So I I can't imagine someone reading it. I you know I I did pull chunks of that original draft, and those have lasted. But I would say like. And I was talking to a friend about this the other day. The book has probably it's the the characters have stayed consistent, but it it's been a long, you know, I don't know why it's been a frustrating process, but it has gone through three or four different, completely different stories, uh, even lo- different locations, but the characters have, have stayed the same. So I think, in the end, it it is good because I feel like I know the characters very well at this point. 
they feel real to me. So I think if anyone was at, would be asking about advice as far as like, you know, throwing out previous, uh, you know, drafts or whatever, if it, it all leads to a certain point in the end. So, I mean, I have to tell myself that to not get discouraged, but yeah, um, it's, it's stayed, the characters have stayed relatively consistent. They've just been put in different circumstances. And uh, yeah, is that, I forget what the question was. I just kind of started talking. <laughs> <laughs> it was about what genre it was, but that makes sense. Um, Cause you know, I think a lot of people do struggle with this, especially in literary fiction, especially when you get too deep inside a character's head, you kind of wonder what is the point of this? Like, where is this going? Or am I just projecting all of my right. thoughts into the character? Oh, for sure. I think, I, I think it can, um, and and then when where does it end? At a certain point, you could you know you could just go on and on, and you know some people can pull that off. I think very skilled writers who've been doing it a long time. But I I noticed my favorite writers they immediately jump into there's some kind of movement or action, and when I say action, I don't mean like a like a fight scene or a car chase <laughs> i just mean like movement like there's something happening and those are the books that draw me in as a reader and you know one of the benefits of having a podcast as i mean you know this too is you talk to so many different people and the cool thing is about you know any kind of art but with writing specifically there's no one way to do it and it's a it's a fulfilling, enjoyable process, but it can be very frustrating and tedious, uh, full of self-doubt. So when you talk to different people who have published, it's nice to see their different perspectives and how they go about doing it. Everyone has a different process. Some people outline heavily. Some people, you know, don't at all. Some people, the people I've kind of been drawn to who have put out several books, they seem to fall somewhere in the middle. Like, uh, I forget who it was. I think I was talking to Megan Abbott once and she said she usually has like a two or three scenes, uh, pivotal points, maybe the, the beginning of an act or the ending of an act. And those are kind of, um, solidified, beforehand and that helps kind of help her piece together so she's not outlining extensively but she's also not just starting and writing um because i think i think with any writer it, you know like like i said before where does it end you could just keep going and going and do a stream of consciousness and ultimately a novel it doesn't work that way i think the novels that i enjoy the most you know they're um just like with anyone, you, I love the characters, but also kind of the situations that they're put into. I think that that is what's most enjoyable to me when I when I read books or I watch TV shows or movies that I find uh, enjoyable. Absolutely. I think there has to be some kind of externality for most books anyways to work, because if it's all internal, like you said, 
you know, it just goes on and on and forever. And, you know, sometimes not every book or movie has to have a climax or a conclusion, but most do. So, you know, if it's just entirely internal, it's very hard to have a climax other than, oh, you know, some kind of gut wrenching uh, realization about something. Right. And, uh, y- you know, I think that's so true. I mean, y- you need to have these circumstances that people are put into that, you know, keep, keep the book moving. Um, you know, someone can, they can talk to themselves endlessly and that becomes, <laughs> you know, boring. And even like, even if, you know, I think that the one thing I've learned is trying to be clever as a writer never tends to work when you're trying to, to, I don't know, like show off <laughs> to the reader that you're, you know, you're funny, like you can't force it. I mean, you need to have those moments of, of insight. But when you read someone who's just trying to be clever all the time, at least for me, it get it gets um, kind of tedious and I lose interest quickly. What writers were you inspired by? Uh, like, what writers do I do I love, or just kind of what has like brought what brought me to like deciding to re to write this book that i'm writing right now the second question um i would say if i if i went back to when i started this this project um i he's not really one of my favorite writers but and i don't even remember the name of the the book but it's um noah hawley wrote some novels and he's the guy who was behind the tv show uh fargo and i i I think if i go back it's probably like watching the tv series of fargo several years back and really enjoying that and then finding out that the showrunner you know the guy the guy who was kind of behind getting the show developed uh he'd written several novels he started out as a novelist so that intrigued me, and um, I picked up his most recent book at the time, and I think it was about a or a component of it was about a plane crash, and I think it's called something like "As We Fall" or "As They Fall." But I remember the first scene of the book is what really drew me in, and it felt it felt cinematic, uh, which makes makes sense because he had been making his his uh tv show for a while at that point so i think that kind of brought me in as far as thinking i want to write something like this um i would also go back to uh nick forget his last name but he created the show true detective and another show i really love so i think i think probably good TV shows kind of pulled me in. And then same thing with Nick. He wrote a short novel called Galveston uh, before he started making True Detective. And I read that and that book really blew me away. I've read that a few times now. And that that to me kind of pushed it over. Like the bars set really high in my opinion. Um, I would say that book heavily influenced me wanting to to tr- to do something in that vein uh 
as far as so i would say his work his book galveston uh just the the way he pulled off first person narration and it's it's a pretty short book it just is like it, it moves at a pretty pretty solid pace and it's just the right amount of internal dialogue with like the movement. And I think that's, I think I'm drawn to books where there is a lot of movement. So they're kind of like, um, he, he, he's kind of escaping a situation. So he's, they're driving around a lot. They're staying in hotels. So there's a lot of movement in this. Uh, so I think those two, those two books, especially uh, Noah's books, Noah's book and then I read some of his other stuff, which was more literary fiction, but enjoyable. And then Nick's work, Nick's book, especially, I think he he has only that novel and then a book of short stories. His work especially really um, kind of pushed me in the direction of where I want to go. And then that kind of planted the seed. Uh, and then Jonathan Ames, who is one of my favorite writers, of all time he uh it's funny because now that i'm talking about it i see that almost all of these people have a film connection mm. so they they're all kind of connected they've done tv work movies so same thing with jonathan ames he did the tv show bored to death which was one of my favorite tv shows and he put out a another sh a short book he wrote a wrote a lot about um uh, nonfiction, like memoir type stuff. Uh, he used to write for a magazine or a paper in New York. And a lot of his early nonfiction work is just pulled straight from those weekly or monthly uh, articles he'd have to write. So I, I always enjoyed those. And he just seems like, a, he seemed like a guy I would, uh, you know, really enjoy being around and chatting with. And then he, he put out novels here and there and I read his novels I loved it. And then he put out a novel called You Were Never Really Here, um, probably a little less than a decade ago. Um, and that same thing, similar, not similar in, in tone necessarily, but like effect on me compared to Nick's book. So Jonathan Ames's You Were Never Really Here kind of had the same impact as Nick's book, Galveston, where it made me think like I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to do it myself. And then that book uh, was turned into a movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And I think the the film did a really good job at kind of um, uh, it, it's, it's good in its own way. Usually like the movie is kind of a disappointment and it, they pulled it off in the movie. I don't know if it's because the book is so short that they're able to kind of include so much of it, but um yeah, I would say those. So it was kind of like a, a series of writers. It was like Noah Hawley planted the seed. Um, and then Nick kind of made it like, I want to do this. And then Jonathan's work, which I'd been familiar with and loved, he put out something a bit different from what he'd done before, but was in the same tone of um, what I wanted to do. And that got me really really excited to to proceed and then there's other writers as well as far as uh and i would include jonathan in this as well but the their prose i just absolutely love so bruce wagner um 
is a literary hero to me and he uh literary fiction but his prose is something that i you know i i i don't want to go as far as i say i study it but he he's written about a dozen books and over the years i i i'm always reading a bruce wagner book even though i've read them all i always kind of reread them and um and just marvel at his his prose and then last guy i would say is jerry stahl who'd written a bunch of um novels and then um nonfiction as well his probably his most famous book is his memoir called permanent midnight which uh, was about his recovery from uh heroin and then that was made into a movie as well ben stiller played him in a movie but oh, anyway wow. so there's a <laughs> there's a lot right there but i would say i hadn't really thought about that before because noah holly's books i hadn't thought about in quite a while um but i would say that his 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 book at the time and then Fargo kind of planted that seed of wanting to do something, you know, similar. Mm -hmm, I see. Yeah. So I think movies have definitely had a large impact. And do you think that the way that your book is narrated has cinematographic influences? Um, I think so. I mean, I, when I was younger, that's what I, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. That was what I, I kind of had in my head. And then at a high school, I went to college for still photography. And that was still at a time when digital had not hit mainstream. It wasn't affordable at that point. So I, I learned, you know, all in film and shot and film developed, printed all on my own. So I think the beauty, I was talking to someone about this the other day, the beauty of, of, you using some of those older techniques to create art uh is that it slows you down uh which is not necessarily a bad thing and you know so i it it made me like take my time because if you rushed it you messed it up and i i know like plenty of stuff you know with any art today you got to slow down but with printing your own images it forces you to slow down like there's no there's no shortcuts necessarily so i think i've always had a visual eye and then i you know i used to um before same thing before digital i used to make my own little short films that were kind of silly but i would spend a lot of time um cutting them on super vhs tapes so i think uh i think yeah i think the way i write i try to have a very strong visual in my mind and you know i guess anyone does um one thing that i i got from a, i talked to a writer named jd o'brien from my show recently and he he just put out a book called zigzag which i really liked uh, and this just came out a couple months ago but he his book started out as a screenplay and i thought that was really interesting he started writing it as a screenplay and i think he had you know several drafts you know revised and then he turned it into a novel i don't know if he just didn't um he wasn't able to sell it or he just didn't you know pursue it or shelved it or what but he turned it into a novel and when that that just kind of clicked in my head because the, the his book was you know similar the the kind of style that i that i like and i'm striving for as well 
so it has that you know it's all it seems like it's all kind of connected this is kind of a cool conversation <laughs> for me hearing <laughs> this because i hadn't connected those dots but it makes so much sense mm -hmm, definitely also um i was thinking that you could maybe send me a list of all the people you mentioned and you know the, sure. the viewers can check out the books and films by themselves absolutely yeah i will definitely do that i'll send awesome. you over a list today so how have you been writing this book? Do you write it whenever you're inspired or do you have a set schedule? So I've done it. I've done it every possible way you can do it. And I feel I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a point of frustration again. So I go through these cycles and I I've done it where, um, I was only inspired, but then I realized I don't get inspired very often. So <laughs> I have to, I think that doesn't really work for me. I think the schedule tends to work uh, the best. I talked to someone, a writer friend, pretty established and um, has written several books. And he, I was telling him about this the other day and he, he told me in his experience, you know, there's nothing wrong with spending a long time writing a book, but you often change as a person. So if you take too long, there is such thing as too long in his opinion. <laughs> um, not that you should stop, but it can pose some challenges uh, that like the, the, the writing changes within, you know, the course of a book or whatever. So he just cautioned me on that. And um gave me he, he's like try just putting it aside and not try, trying to force fit certain scenes just you know you know the characters well enough just try again and 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 set a very um not rigid but set a schedule a realistic reasonable schedule uh that you can you know you can write every week and um several times a week and i think i've done that before and that that seems to be the best for me. And I think I, he's totally right because when I have hit the hit momentum in previous drafts, it was because of a schedule. So even if you, even if I sat there for an hour and wrote a sentence or wrote nothing, it, you know, it, it trained me or primed me to, this is what I'm doing during this block of time. And, um, uh, you know, no pressure ideally you get something out of it you know a page or two or more or whatever but uh, i think the schedule for me i know everyone is different but the schedule is important um otherwise i think it's easy to fall in the trap that i did where it's like it can go on and on and then you you know you put it aside for a month and then you come back to it and you've lost so much momentum um maybe even like your writing has shifted it doesn't sound like the same person all these different factors that can put obstacles in the way so i i'm a big proponent although i i struggle with it the schedule i think for me is the way to go 
That makes sense. I think it works for a lot of people, yeah. Because especially if you have so many other things going on in your life, how are mm. you going to get inspired? The more tired you are, yes. the more overwhelmed <laughs> you are, you're not, not going to be like, well, I'm, I still have one hour left, you know, before I go to bed. I'm going to write. It's so hard. Yeah. You can only do it when you have your days off. But even then, you don't necessarily want to write the whole day or even write at all. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, um, I think just even writers who have books on you know big big publishers big publishers that put their books out you know uh most don't make a living with their books most people even if you know most people you see in barnes and noble are not making a living uh writing they have to do other things like there's a lot of them that are professors or they do workshops so when you i think of all the fields of art and i'm sure people would just some people would disagree with this but i think writing is perhaps the most challenging in that even if you're kind of quote unquote successful it still oftentimes is not enough to make a living so there's all these other things all these other hustles that you got to do and it does exhaust you so if, you know, you don't set the time aside, uh, you're mentally drained. I mean, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and I'm usually, I love my job, but I'm typically mentally drained at the end of a school day. So it's really hard to, to one, to want to write. And then even sitting down to write, uh, your brain is just exhausted. Uh, so it's, you know, I've heard of different people and I've tried, you know, I haven't been consistent with this, but it seemed like it kind of helped. I, on my commute into work, on my drive in, I would just, um, I would just talk about the book or like explain a scene and record myself, um, have it, have it like um, transcribed automatically and then in the evening i would look at what um you know what the transcription said and it was usually fairly accurate and oftentimes it was just blabber but you know sometimes i'd pull a line that i really liked or an idea that i really liked and that helped kind of like give me just enough juice that evening to be able to write something because um when you just sit down after a hard day at work and then you have other obligations, it's hard to come up with something. So if you already have come up with maybe like a seed of an idea or a line that can help get you going to write. So that's what I found, but I need to take my own advice and, you know, whatever, whatever you can do to make it work on a consistent basis. And then, and then I've known, you know, we change as people. So it's like that, may change like you're not every and i've talked to people who've written several books and they said some people have a very like specific way they do it other people say every book is a different process it's like a, it's basically like they're writing their first book again which i don't know if that's discouraging i found that helpful as someone who hasn't published yet because there is, you know there's so many obstacles so to just be able to attempt it and to consistently 
plug away at it, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Absolutely. So, you know, as you're thinking, I mean, this is really far off in the future because, you know, you have yet to finish your manuscript, but Mm. what is the target audience of the book when you get to the marketing stage? I mean, even at this point, I think you have an idea of who this will be appealing to, right? Right. And I, I think, um, you know, hopefully like people who like those other authors that I've talked about and the, the thriller or mystery genre, you know, I think that would be the way the, the direction that the, the novel is taking it, it, it would, um, hopefully, I mean, the, the, the hope is that it would appeal to people who, who like reading those kinds of books. So yeah, I would say a, a thriller mystery audience or people who enjoy that kind of thing. And, the, and like the authors that I, that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. How do you find talking about the specifics of a project? Like, like talking about a, like, like we're doing right now. Yes. So uh, that's interesting because I was, I was initially like hesitant to come on this show, not because I didn't want to, I, I, I really wanted to, but I feel that I don't have anything to promote yet, <laughs> but <laughs> I felt like this may be helpful to to somebody, you know, feeling, you know, like they're struggling to, and, uh, you know, especially like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a little old coming to the writing game. I'm, I just turned 42 and, you know, it's, I guess it's not old, but, you know, m- most people who put out their first novel are younger than that. And so that can get in your head. Uh, so I think, trying to put that aside and um just be able to to talk about generals i get okay i'm kind of i'm kind of floundering here but i think what i'm trying to say i heard a in it was on sarah silverman's podcast someone sent me this clip and uh, i guess she has like a call in part of the show people can call in and ask a question and she listens to it and answers it and uh, someone had asked her a a question about writing or whatever and and she said and she considers herself a writer so she's like writers are are lazy (laughs) so (laughs) be be conscious of that but the thing that really struck me and it was like oh this is so true so she said be very careful about talking about writing or the specific maybe not so much writing but like the specifics of your project be cautious of doing that because she claimed that it fires off the same dopamine that you would get as if you were actually writing the thing so talking Mm -hmm. about talking about it i was like oh dang that's um that makes a lot of sense um so she just said, be be careful about talking about a project uh, too openly before it's finished because you get the same satisfaction 
as of like accomplishing a really good scene or a really good line. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so relatable because, you know, this is something that me and my co-host Tete de Punk have been talking about recently, both mm. privately and on the podcast, because we're like, let's not talk about our characters that much yeah. anymore. Because we realized that when we kept on talking about the characters, we weren't actually writing anymore. We were just like fantasizing about the story <laughs> and how it would be like when it's finished. But we yeah. haven't written a single word. Yeah, isn't that wild? I mean, it makes it, it makes so much sense. And I'm like, yeah, that is that is so true. And um I I don't really talk to anyone about the specifics. I, I've done a couple of workshops that I found helpful here and there. I haven't done one in a couple of years. Um and, and that was that was, I guess, a bit different. Um you had a you had to put you had to bring 10 pages every week to the Whoa. to the workshop and then and then it, it was like five of us and then and then we would all read everyone so you know it was it was a time investment and then you would give notes on it so i felt like that was helpful to some degree uh but with just you know talking about it with friends or other writers um it, what she said at least for me is totally accurate mm -hmm. it's totally accurate so i think I love talking about, I mean, obviously I have a, I have a podcast where, um, a good chunk of the guests are authors. So I love talking about process and writing and, and how, you know, challenges, things that are unique to a specific author. But I think, I think talking about the specifics for me at least is not helpful to my to my creative process and, you know, in fact, harmful. Uh, so, and that's just something that it, 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 it makes perfect sense. And just hearing that like a month ago or whatever, it, I, I became even more resolute to not talk specifics because I want to get this stupid thing done already. <laughs> <laughs> so your friend who said that, you know, a project shouldn't last that long. Did he say that like a specific year, like for example, five years or four years, is that when it gets too long? I mean, he, he wasn't making hard and fast rules, but he talked about his his second book, I think, took him between, I want to say between eight and 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's put out stuff pretty consistently after that. But between the first and second one, it took it took a long time. And um, so he wasn't saying it's even necessarily like it's too long, but just be mindful of it and and you know try to because there are plenty of books that i talk to writers all the time that do you know they spent five six seven eight years on a book um but it's nice talking to someone who's done it both ways who's you know written a book in a year written a book in eight months and then also written a book in 10 years so uh someone like that i i, I tend to listen so he it was kind of he he gives good advice because He's not saying it. It's exactly like this, or here. Here's the moment where it's too long. So, uh, but just doing some like self reflection after talking with him. For me, I think, especially because I'm in my forties, I think five years is too long for me. For me personally, so I, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's 
I, I've changed a lot in five years. You know, I'm the same mm -hmm. core person, but a lot, a lot has changed. And then even just doing the podcast. So I've done the podcast version of Salt Lake Dirt for uh, two and a half years now, and which isn't a a long time, I guess. But I've talked to so many different people. You can't help but be influenced influenced by some of them, and that I think that's a good thing. Um, just talking to people from all different walks of life, and uh, you know, done all kinds of different things, like from you know, hugely successful uh, artists and the people who are just starting out. So you kind of get a full spectrum of seeing how different people work, and I think. Uh, you kind of pick and choose, you know, when you hear something, I like, it's not just a show for me. Like I take a lot of it to heart and apply it in my own writing and life. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that I think, again, I forget the question, but I think <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just went going there. <laughs> yes yes so yeah that that makes a lot of sense i you know i think we need to take cues from you and sarah silverman because it's totally right i mean now that i'm no longer talking about my stuff nonstop, i actually feel like i can actually put more time aside to actually do it and it's actually more conducive to finishing the project and also not wasting time on just you know these endless speculations which <laughs> i was sinking a lot of time into yeah unfortunately well thank you so much for coming on this was amazing and you know i hope that you know people take that advice because i think it's really really important not to divulge too much about your project before sure. you have even finished it yeah i mean i i i'm happy to be on and i mean you know most of well, pretty much everything I'm saying, I can take the advice myself. So sometimes it's sometimes it's nice to hear yourself talk and be like, I need to do what I'm saying. <laughs> That's helpful. Yes. So this this was really cool. I made a lot of like I connected the dots on a lot of stuff that I hadn't really thought about before. So this was really cool too. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. See ya. See ya.